0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dragon Talk. Uh, my name is Greg Tito, and I am joined by the ever-early <laughs> Shelly Mazanova.
1: Ever-early. How's it going? Great.
0: You are yeah. uh, a vision today in pink and blue.
1: Thanks. What blue?
0: Your blue eyes.
1: Oh, oh, <laughs> pink and blue. I bought a pink shirt because I realized all my shirts are gray, white, and black.
0: There's definitely a palette uh, of of, yeah. uh, of 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 dark, muted Northwest tones. Northwest living, but you're bringing it back.
1: Bringing back the pink. I love it. Thanks, man.
0: How's it going? How's uh, how's uh, how's Quinn doing? He's all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's got his, you know, ups and downs. Yeah. It's hard for a four
0: year old. They got a hard life. They, got a, they really they got do. So bad. They get unconditional love by two giants right. who are just like, We love you so what much. And oh, oh, here's all you. of the
1: foods here's and the, all of your needs met.
0: I'll wipe your butt. I don't care. Right. Yeah. And right. then, uh, yeah. And then, but then they still have attitude problems about it. Yeah. yeah.
1: You're just not doing it quick enough <laughs> or often enough <laughs> or in the location that they want you to do that in.
0: Exactly. Really? Are you, you're like, come on, seriously. I
1: don't want to go downstairs right now. I'm upstairs. Do your thing right here next oh my to me. God,
0: do you have stairs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's a blessing and a curse.
0: <laughs> you fall down those stairs yep. any second now. Yep. Hey, get
1: up! I know. So I realize he's four, but even when he's like 34. I think I'm still gonna cut up his grapes and not let him walk by staircases.
0: <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Back up, back up! <laughs> do all yeah, right.
1: Time. He's like six feet away from the stairs. I'm like, stop, stop standing there. Move away.
0: Keep moving.
1: <laughs> you do not stand six feet away from an open staircase.
0: It's 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 the same thing yeah. I tell my my adventurers when they're when they're uh, uh, going Maybe to the tavern. Like, just don't <gasps> go near the yeah. the mimic.
1: That's another great reason why kids need to play D and D. Yeah, because then they're gonna learn real life. Pitfalls. There's dangers Literally. out there.
0: there. You could fall into a pit.
1: You could eat a whole grape.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what if it gets lodged there? What's the, Heim- <laughs> the role for Heimlich maneuver? I
1: saw him like take a grape, and I was like, what are you doing? Did you just walk off with a grape? You get back here and let me cut that into eights. Do you know what that <laughs> thing can do to you? It can destroy your life. Did you take the infant CPR class when you guys were <laughs> pregnant? Anyone?
0: I did. Knew, I totally did.
1: Are you scared of grapes and hot dogs? And popcorn?
0: Oh. Well, oh, we have an exciting uh, 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 interview as well as segments uh, today that we want to get to. Uh, yeah. Before we get to some news, we're going to talk to uh, Zalavir Nelson Jr. What a name. I know, right? How do you pronounce it? I had to pronounce it like Zal- six times. Zalavir, Zalavir? Nelson Jr. Yes, a good name. Yes, exactly. Uh, he is a, uh, a freelance writer who's done tons of stuff, uh, uh, you know, and is an d- avid D&D player, too. So I can't wait to pick his brain uh, about everything that goes on in it. Uh, and then as well, like I like to do with uh, uh, Matt Cerna and Chris Perkins, pick I'm their brain. picking their brains. Like a uh, little orangutan. Today we're talking about the, uh, let's just say we'll talk about the Raven Queen uh, in today's podcast.
1: Do you know that for a fact? I
0: know that for a fact. I'm going to add it right to the, the spreadsheet so I know exactly that's if the segment we're going to go to. Then if not, Ryan can just cut it out. It's pretty... He's, he's He knows what to do. He
1: loves
0: that. <laughs> it's one of his favorite he things. He loves to
1: have to cut and paste things.
0: Um, but uh, before we get to that segment and the interview and how to cut grapes into eighths, uh, <laughs> with, that's a, a new segment we're doing. Basically,
1: it's just juice when I'm done with that. <laughs> <it. laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we have, we have some news. What, what's going on in uh, Dungeons and Dragons world, Endor uh, Avalon Hill world? Uh, anything fun that you you want to shout out about real quick?
1: Zombies are a thing. Are a thing. Yeah. In Axis and Allies and zombies. <gasps>
0: Oh, right, that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah, next, this Every year. time
1: I say that, though, I'm like, oh, have we announced that? <laughs> you
0: yes. always get scared. I'm yes. always scared. Kind of like the grape thing. I'll just yeah. always be scared. Well, that's a fun game. Uh, uh, people can check it out. The zombies are an individual, uh, uncontrolled faction. Uh, Try you might. And they will you m- mess you up.
1: Are they going to help you? Are they going to hurt you?
0: Every strategy uh, you thought you had about access and Allies is no longer. Window. No longer.
1: Yep. Got so it. for people who are always just bad at it, like me... This is a great game. Perfect way to get married. Like, We're all starting from. Blame zero. it on the zombies. Blame it on the zombies. zombies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really cool. Uh, there's also uh, Betrayal. Oh my God. A Legacy the coming best down the pipe. Freaking thing. Ever. Yeah. I keep being like a fly on the wall in all of your meetings about that. And I'm like, tell me more.
1: Oh my God. Tell like, me more. I actually was thinking this morning, like, I'm gonna really miss not talking to Rob every day.
0: <laughs> we gotta maybe he'll start hosting the podcast with us. He
1: might have to because he's just a very interesting, smart, crazy genius. Yeah. And it's now like the that the game design part is wrapping up, and it's just like kind of this weird like. Oh. Huh, we've been doing this for like oh, i gonna miss you for like a year and a half. I'm gonna
0: miss him coming to the office too. And just oh, like, he's,
1: he's got a couple more trips. Okay. I know. Good. Yeah.
0: Because he is good people.
1: We need Makes to good make him want to work with us.
0: That's a good point. So, so we'll give him lots of donuts and some hugs and hugs some and D&D, D&D and D D D D. swag. Because
1: he loves he loves D&D. Yeah. So I think that's that's our end. All right. We'll
0: keep it going. Okay. We'll keep it going. Uh on Dungeons and Dragons, we've got Morning Canaan's Tome of Foes yeah. uh coming. May 29th, uh, and uh, that is uh, where it's going to be available everywhere. But May 18th is the hobby release with uh, a new cover by, designed by Vance Kelly. Uh, so you can get it only in game stores. They're only printing a certain number of those, so get them while you can. I will. And uh, we heard even from Xanathar's Get Everything that some game stores didn't order enough of this special cover. So it's too late. Make sure it's in your local game store. Pre-order uh, it now. Or, or Yeah, exactly. Let them know that you, that you're going to buy it there. Um. That's cool stuff. We'll be talking more about uh, the Shatterkai, as I said. In, oh, what did I say? I said the Raven Queen for this lore, and uh, you'll get even more lore uh, about her uh, in, uh, in in Morning Kane and those. So that's even more exciting. Oh, I'm excited. Um. Did you know that we got nominated for best podcast? Oh,
1: who told you that?
0: I think you did. Uh, hey! Did you guys know that? I just told them on the on the mic.
1: Isn't that a really cool thing?
0: So thank you uh, to—I I don't even know how it works. Do they, do they have a, a panel of judges that nominates that? I think it's fans. Or is it fans? Well, yeah. thank you, fans, for Board everyone on uh, making it happen. Holding Geek
1: Award nominees right here.
0: Exactly. Uh, so we're just humbled to be nominated. Uh, we're totally not going to win uh, because yeah. uh, there's so many other big big names in there, but it feels really nice to be a uh, part of that. I yeah. no. I'm, I'm pretty still... sure— uh, Griffin, uh, who we've had on the podcast before, but Griffin McElroy from The Adventure Zone. Oh, I'm pretty I'm, sure. It's a slam dunk for, for him. I'm so a, it's an amazing, yeah. good, cool thing. But we're um, in
1: the company of.
0: Exactly, Zone. right? Yeah. It's mostly because of uh, of, of you and. Uh, well, I actually thought Matt it was more like and Matt and Chris
1: <laughs> and <than> Jeremy <laughs> and you yeah. and Ryan. I'm like the lowest. Of, it's
0: mostly Ryan, actually. Let's just throw, throw and it the, out there. In the
1: Twitch chat. Or Ryan, uh, Ryan said it's because of
0: him. But we really appreciate Obviously. it. It is. I mean, he makes us sound like we know what we're talking about. Which That's is a no hard feat.
1: Not easy to do. Uh I
0: need to buy in real life. They were we were also nominated for a couple of awards. Uh uh the Dungeons and Dragons team was a nominated yeah. for uh uh best supplement uh for both Tales from the Unending Portal and Xanathar's Guide to Everything, as well as best artwork and presentation uh for Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which I think is a pretty cool uh, yeah. uh category uh, for us I to think be in. So, so too. thank you, fans, uh for for Writing us in, or voting us in, or whatever you did there, that was amazing. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. Three thousand percent.
1: Speaking of awards, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know this at the time that it happened. I didn't know it until this beautiful award showed up on my desk. But Dragon Con's award, yeah, Um Widows Walk,
0: one, the expansion oh, no way. for
1: Betrayal at House on the Hill, one. Um, the best science fiction fantasy board game award wow. at DragonCon.
0: That's amazing. I know. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a beautiful award. It's like blown glass. It's I gorgeous. did see.
0: Yeah, it is uh, up it's there on, on the list of uh, of gorgeous awards. Yeah. out there. For it's real sure. nice. It's real nice. So, we're yeah. racking
1: up the awards. Just throwing it. I mean, out there. we're going to have to get tuxes and evening gowns.
0: Can we do a black carpet? A black carpet.
1: Oh, for D&D, it might be a it black carpet. It might be. A, yeah, right? Yeah. So that,
0: that'll be the chance where you can wear all your black, gray, and, and, yes. and muted uh, uh, clothing. That'll yes. be perfect.
1: Perfect.
0: All right. Well, well right let's in. make it happen. Okay. Um, some more fun stuff happening in Dungeons & Dragons world. D&D Beyond uh, is got an, uh, uh testing open for a mobile app. Uh, you can sign up to be a stress tester on iOS and Android. Go to dndbeyond.com. It's probably the best place to to find out where to sign up for that. Um, and they've got lots of fun, more things coming down the pipe, including an improved character sheet, uh, as well as uh, getting unearthed arcana and uh, more unofficial content available in the character builder, which I think is pretty cool. Yep. Tales from Candlekeep Tomb of Annihilation uh, has got lots of fun stuff going on there. That is the Tomb of Annihilation board game translated into digital. Uh, you can get it on Steam right now. Uh, they have uh, a couple of things going on. Uh, I don't know if necessarily you, uh, listeners will be able to do this, but you can vote for them. On uh, until March eleventh for the Twitch Prime Indie Amplifier uh, to see if they can uh, uh, get some of you know be amplified by 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 by, by that promotion there, Uh, and you can download the winning game for free on March fifteenth if you voted for it. So you got to vote, and whoever whichever game wins, uh, you'll be able to get it for free on March fifteenth, which I think think is pretty cool. It is going to be on the Ides of March though, so uh, at two Amazon Prime Indie Amplifier. Uh, don't, 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 don't murder me. Um, cool stuff going on from Beam Dog. They're making the Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition. We talked about that a whole bunch, but they also have a Siege of Dragonspear, which was their expansion to the first Baldur's Gate. It's basically like one, Baldur's Gate 1.5. It takes place in between Baldur's Gate 1 and Baldur's Gate 2. Totally new content, though, created by the Beamdog uh, team. And it's, it's really amazing. And you can get it on Google Play and the Apple App Store starting on uh, March 8th very soon, a couple of days from uh, when we're recording this, but by the time you listen to this, yep. it'll be out there, so dig in and uh, uh, get up into it. Uh, Dragon Plus uh, has a new issue, came out uh, last week, it's issue 18, can you believe we've been doing 18 issues of this? Nope. I remember when we were on like the fourth floor talking about uh, this, this, this app, it didn't even have a name when nope. I when I started here about three years ago.
1: It can vote now.
0: Yeah, and now it can vote. Wait because it's got 18 issues. It's now a sentient being that can vote in our elections. Yes. Oh, all right, cool. I didn't know that, but now I know.
1: Yeah, start leaving it pamphlets.
0: <laughs> uh, but there's tons of great content in each issue of Dragon Plus. It comes out uh, once every two months. Um, there's a Dragonfire adventure for our friends at Catalyst Games. If you're into that uh, Dragonfire uh, game, it's a... People uh, are into that. It's a lot into it. It's, it's running off the shelves pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and there's also a free adventure there, The Crypts of Kelimvor, uh by Thomas Foss and Scott Fitzgerald Gray. Uh, two awesome people. Do you know Thomas Foss is the lead designer of Neverwatch?
1: Yes, and so every time I see his name, it seems to be tied to some other crazy thing that I had no idea he also did.
0: Yeah, right? He's, he's doing that, he too. He designs toys. Yeah. He he Really?
1: Yeah, he makes the toys, and he has a 3D printer, and oh, so I think cool. he does stuff with minis, paints minis. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, he's, yeah, very he's a very, very dude. interesting I love it.
0: Indeed. And uh, Scott Fitzgerald Gray is a uh, editor uh, here at, uh, at Dragon Plus and, and other things. He's been uh, basically been helping us for for years and years. So I love it's editors. cool that they teamed up uh, for that. Uh, there's also another free adventure called the Grubbits Detective Agency uh, by David Ben and Simon from the Dragon Friends. Uh, are awesome people. And then this one takes place between seasons one and two of the Dragon Friends podcast. And it's for level one adventurers, which is a great way uh, to jump in to things going on there. Uh, I love the Dragon Friends. They do uh, really fun stuff. they friends. From Australia. I
1: love their ex
0: Improv comedians. I know, right? I just want to, like, continue to uh, mimic it badly whenever yes. <laughs> I talk to them. That's I feel so bad when I do that but I do um, there's also a cool Port 9 Zaru comic uh, by Jason Thompson who does those oh I love of, his stuff yeah they're, they're really great so go check yep. that out Dragon Plus download it now it's on Android that's all in
1: Dragon Plus it's all in
0: Dragon Jeez. Plus and uh, you can get it on dragonmag.com if you don't uh, want to get it on your phone
1: I got the push notification on my phone sweet yeah I just got Dragon it Dragon Plus
0: uh, tons of fun stuff happening on uh, the D&D Twitch channel uh, of course you can watch us live record on Mondays starting so at 2pm Pacific time you get to see how the sausage is made. It's not always pretty. It's the field roast. But there's always voices. And I cannot... <laughs> there's
1: always voices. <laughs> the vegetarian sausage.
0: Uh, we also uh, host our friends from uh, Loading Ready Run, the Dice Friends, in fact, uh, on Monday nights. And then on Tuesdays, we've got a full slate from here in the office. The Mike Merles Happy Fun Hour Dragon Plus show with Bart Carroll, uh, as well as uh, D&D News warming up the Channel for Dice Camera action that is what's cra- it's crazy what's going on in Dice Camera Action right now. Like, basically, Paulton is like fighting with the crew. I, uh, you don't know if he's controlled or if he's you know doing this, this of his is own really free will. Like,
1: feeding Perkins's like super evil side.
0: Yeah, like he gets to like really embody he's, it. It's really amazing. It's really exciting
1: when people are like, I hate you, and he's like, Yes, yes, it's working. This is all for <laughs> my benefit.
2: Ha
1: ha ha. Do you think he knows what he's planning? How far? How far ahead does he know?
0: Oh, he knows. Well, oh, he doesn't know exactly. He's got ideas. No, he but he he'll adapt and, and change it based on what they choose to do. But it's, it's really like, interesting.
1: It really is. Like it's it's uh, it's always hard to believe that this is like off the cuff stuff happening. Right. But that's D and D. But it's D and D. But when you see something like like that group together and Chris as the DM, it's it just you really marvel at it. The talent.
0: It's true, right? right? And they're all making it up in, in real time, which is fantabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you're right, that it is uh, a way to tap into that, but he also inspires other people to take up the Dungeon Master mantle, like Holly Conrad is doing Trapped in the yes. Birdcage uh, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time here on the D&D Twitch channel. Uh, it is set in The City of Doors, Sigil, Um, and uh, yeah, she did episode two just uh, on March 1st uh, and is going to be doing uh, episode three coming up this Thursday when we're recording this, but those of you listening, uh, uh, you know, might be a few episodes behind, Uh, but there's lots of fun stuff going there, including uh, uh, one character using a zone of truth to find out the real name of someone and then they head out into the City of Sigil for kind of the first time and get to explore kind of the outside area of that and they immediately steal stuff and get in trouble. Speaking of. Which I find very fascinating.
1: I saw on Twitter. Yes. That you inspired someone. I did. He said he watched. Uh,
0: the Out of the Abyss. Yes. yes. And because
1: of you and your DMing, he decided to I be know, a DM.
0: That was really sweet. That was so
1: nice. It was
0: great. Yeah. I mean, I did that uh, two years ago, three years ago now. Um, and people still I'll uh, get messages uh, on a you know month- monthly, weekly basis of being like, oh, you, you did a great job. You inspired
1: something positive.
0: For once. <laughs> For once. Instead of all this <laughs> negative stuff that you inspire in folks. Uh, no, that really, it really touches my heart whenever I, know, I get messages really nice. like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I want to get in behind the table on the cameras again. One of these days, whenever I, you know, don't get so crazy busy. Uh yeah okay, it's I not guess. gonna happen I don't know I just, you just, just gotta choose it it's like having a kid you kind of have to just be like there's no good time It's never gonna be a good time just gonna go do it yep alright so uh starting this week I'll be down Dungeon Mastering alright Uh Shelly will you be uh, a Dungeon Master on no. the okay I'll be a
1: player in your game
0: <laughs> alright cool alright we can make that happen for yeah. sure Um, And then we've got uh, lots of other fun stuff going, uh, but uh, I know I want to say that Girls' Guts Glory will be coming back on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific time, uh, so go check that out. I'm very excited for uh, uh, Kim Hidalgo and the rest of that crew uh, with their Dungeon Master, Kelly Lynn um, D'Angelo, continuing that storyline. Yes, Lots of fun stuff happening there. Cool. All right, so we are going to throw it to our fun lore you should know segment. This one is on uh, the Raven Queen, and it shall be raveny, I believe. Do you know anything it, about the Raven
1: Queen? No, but you've said it three times now, so it better be about. that.
0: I know it has to be. I'm just, I'm putting my my, my flag down. It's going to be right. Raven Queen, and then no, we'll I, get uh, to call up uh, uh, Zelievere Nelson Jr. and uh, and pick his brain. We'll do that after this segment. Okay. All right. Okay. Great. Bing bong. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by these amazing lore masters, Mr. Matt Sernett, Howdy. And Chris Perkins. Greetings. And today on this segment, where we talk about little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore for use in your campaign or just for your fun knowledge, uh, today we're going to talk about the Raven Queen and where she was conceived and, and thought of uh, here in this building and, and then where she has gone from there. So She was conceived in Graceland.
2: Really? Strangely enough, yes. In the actual no. house, she was conceived in a meeting room in Wattsie ah. called Graceland,
0: right? Which was so. then called House on the Hill. So she
2: was born in the house of the king,
0: <laughs> this <laughs> Raven Queen. <laughs> See, now, <laughs> now I want to know that you guys like took a road trip to Memphis, Tennessee, and were like, uh, "Let's just do some Let's brainstorm." Make a God, <laughs> yeah. she was also partially
2: conceived over email. Yeah. So, so in the in
0: aether, she yeah. was
2: also uh, uh, made up. Right. So uh, she is a she is a product of fourth edition that mm-hmm. has survived uh, thereafter. Um, so what happened is when fourth edition was being reborn, two teams were created by Bill Slavasek, one to tackle rules, and one to tackle world building. And Rich Baker, one of our senior designers at the time, was in charge of the world building team, and he got a bunch of people in a room where the task was and. Rich, by the way, he came out of the military and the Navy, so he loved coming up with team names and code words for everything. So, like, we were Team Ramjet or Scram. Team... Scramjet. 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 I keep thinking of Ramjet, Exploding Rocket, whatever, because Rich had a knack <laughs> for weirdly phallic names. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so it's, Scramjet it is. Uh, Scramjet,
2: right. I don't know why I thought Ramjet. What's um, <laughs> that? This is... Getting I, I have, into
0: your psyche on these segments has been my favorite have, thing ever. I
2: have to say, um, first of all, I, I don't mean to make fun of Rich Baker. Rich Baker is a phenomenal designer and a hell of a nice person. Um, uh, but it, he does have a thing with names. Like He's he's the guy who would come to the table with a character named Jiz Hornswallow or <laughs> uh, Service Longstaff and be sort of sheepishly quiet as everyone around the table was laughing. Like, he didn't really understand what was going on. It was so much... So funny. He's, he's, he's just sort of got a blind spot for some of these weird names. Uh, anyway. Scramjet. Yes. We were all in a room coming up with a pantheon of deities uh, to basically serve as the default 4th edition pantheon. Like, if you didn't have a pantheon of deities for your world, mm-hmm. use this. And then the points of light setting, which was sort of the default, the nerath setting... Uh, for right. fourth edition, for, for Nentir would Nentir also Vail. use yeah. by way of example this. Incidentally, a little side note about Nentireveil. Originally, it was Rich wrote that uh, for the Forgotten Realms. Like he carved out a section of the Forgotten Realms, oh, and that was going to be what the setting was before the decision was made not to use the Forgotten Realms as the default fourth edition setting. Oh, interesting. So he basically, rather than rewrite everything, he took that material. Which I believe was based in the realm of Heartsvale, and then renamed everything on the map to genericize it.
0: Oh, uh, interesting!
2: And so, uh,
3: so what adventure was it that that used an FR map as? For the it was the the one with the hobgoblins and so
2: on. Which one was that? Oh. Uh, um. Num, num, num. Red Hand of uh, Red Hand of Doom.
3: Red Hand of Doom. Yes. That's that's a sort of generic adventure that's also set in Forgotten realms that Rich did.
0: But
2: yeah. yeah. But then got moved over, right? Okay. Yeah. okay. Then got genericized. Okay. Uh, so, so
0: so this was the goal yeah. was to in everybody in this yes. team to create this, pantheon, create this pantheon. And it pulled from various it sources. Pulled, yeah. So
2: we had Asmodeus as the god of tyranny, and we had Bahamut as the god of justice, and we had Ayun as the god of knowledge. Uh, before that, she was just a stone. Um, <laughs> Not
3: entirely true, but whatever. No, right. I know.
2: <laughs> she was known for being a, basically a collection of floating stones that circled your head. Yes, um, very overpowered. Uh, and then when uh, it came end. to find out, when it came to identify who was going to be the god of death this figure called the Raven Queen emerged. And I don't remember if we gave her a name or whatever. I think James may have, James Wyatt may have been the first person to propose the name.
3: So what happened, uh, because I I tracked down James this morning and asked him about this. Oh, cool. And so the way that it worked out was that um, the Raven Queen had uh, a number of different names beforehand. Um, And I'm not going to say them. Because they might be her secret real name, which we never revealed. Ah, the but this is Laura. We should know <laughs> <laughs> that. But there were three other names that we had before the Raven Queen, and at some point, while well, people were, were in a meeting um, writing just names of of gods on the board, uh, Chris Perkins wrote Raven uh, uh, as one of the options, and James said that you know he didn't really like Raven alone as a name. But if we called it Raven Queen as a sort of appellation, and then like maybe people are afraid to to say the name, mm-hmm. and so there was another meeting. I think with I, I think James said it was Chris and Stacy, and uh, I don't know if it's Bill Slavisack or Ed Stark. But um, that that group then decided like that's it. It's the Raven Queen, and you know people are afraid of saying or or don't know you know her real name. Yeah, she whom shall not be named. Mm-hmm. But it right. became.
2: Instead she whose name re- is
0: forgotten. She, she whose name is guarded. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Uh, and I like that, too, because it does immediately have mystery. You don't know what, it's all, you know, uh, so many of these names are hard to pronounce. People don't really understand it. But, like, this was immediately evocative.
3: Yeah, and, you know, she was um, designed as sort of the, the goddess of death, but then she kind of got um, winter and fate uh, sort of attached to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because a a, a lot of what the 4th edition sort of pantheon was doing was kind of taking all these thousands and thousands of gods that have been done for D&D over the ages and trying to be like, no, no, let's just clean it up. We'll make it, you know, a few things that people remember and so on. And so uh, some of them, like Ayun and Melora and a couple of other ones that were new, uh, you know, didn't really... I don't think Catch on as much as The Raven Queen because The Raven Queen has a cool name <laughs> and Very and you know is as you know does interesting stuff and you know who, who is this this interesting you know mysterious uh, neutral god of death and yeah. winter and all this kind of thing.
0: So, it, how much was pulled from Ouijos, uh the, the the goddess
2: of death in Greyhawk? Was that very little? Very little, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think it came up in conversation.
3: Interesting. I think there was there was discussion at some point early on of like, can we use Ouijos, uh or not? But then it was basically no, because Wejoss doesn't do all these other things that we
0: want this right. character to do. Got it. So, yeah. All right, so then what, uh, what, what is the conception of the Raven Queen uh, from, from Forth? And then yeah, we'll talk more about how it might relate to
2: uh, uh, Canyon's tomophobos. To so I don't remember the occasion that led us to actually sit down and brainstorm what she looked like. But ultimately, I know design-wise, we settled on a beautiful sort of alabaster-skinned, raven-haired woman with big feathered black wings. Um, that's kind of low hanging fruit mm-hmm. to some extent. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's the Raven Queen. Right, she looks like yeah, the Raven but, Queen. You know, for for all, any misgivings we may have had about her appearance, she sure spawned a lot of uh, fan art. Mm. Um, so,
3: um, there was relatively little written about her in uh, early on, oh. and then um, there was this idea that she had. Uh, some sort of palace in the Shadowfell, um, and it was called Lithurna. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Black Ice Palace, um, in Ooh. sort of this icy mountainous mm-hmm. region. Uh, and then I think it was Open Grave, but it might have been another product. Um, there was finally a, an actual backstory that was given that was, uh, she, Nerol was the god of death, um, and, uh, he basically took all the souls and one day, uh, this awesome lady dies, and he's like, "Hey, she's really keen." And he I'll he, keep that one. Yep mm-hmm. he he takes her as his consort, and then she learns from him and becomes so badass that she kills him and takes his stuff. Uh, takes his stuff, and then becomes a god. And then all the this is like s- sort of all posed to be in kind of like this hazy way back time. Mm um and all the other gods are like hey wait a minute that's that's unusual <laughs> Did like, you see what she did you, <laughs> just, you just can't do that <laughs> yeah. you can't just kill gods uh and uh and so like i i forget whether she decided to leave the astral or she just was like, "Fine, I'm taking my ball and going home." And went, <laughs> <laughs> but she goes to the Shadowfell basically because all in in the fourth edition cosmology, basically all the other deities are on the astral plane, mm-hmm. which is a, sort of attached and has these mini oh, realms see. of other planes within it. Uh, and so she's the only sort of god that's kind of on the outside,
2: other um, than Asmodeus, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so, like. She's got the domains of, of 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 death, so she deals with souls and right. everyone right. who yes. passes yeah. into yeah. the afterlife.
2: And also she's a, she's a champion against uh, undeath, and the Shadowfell oh. is often full of undead creatures. So she kind of went down there to kind of get that under control. Why is yeah. she against undeath? Because it's a perversion. Um, you're basically... Imbuing evil souls in the bodies of dead flesh when those souls should be allowed to continue on to whatever hellish afterlife they're destined for. Yeah. And because she's neutral, she's all about the balance.
0: Right.
3: Yeah. And at some point, she kills some or gets the power of some deity of winter. I th- might have been Kala. I I'm, might I'm, I'm be wrong. Uh, and then she also um did she do the same thing like kill kill her and
0: take her portfolio essentially yeah. she
3: interferes somehow with like the the fight between loth and um Corallon, and then gets fate from loth and that's the 4th edition version of um of hers that's how she got so sort of yeah. death winter and fate
2: yeah now some now a, a fragment of that survives in the current incarnation of the raven queen oh okay because uh, as you 'll learn when you uh, pick up Morden the idea that there, we, we posit the idea that she was long ago an elf queen, who saw an opportunity to try to unite the elves after the fracture of good elves and dark elves. Mm-hmm. Um, but things don 't go as she plans. Um, there 's some meddling in her plans. And uh, when things go haywire and she does not succeed in uh, stitching the elves back together as one unified people, that's when sort of the Raven Queen persona is born. Interesting. All right. And what, 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 was she always um,
0: had an affinity for ravens? Like, what, where did that name come from, other than having wings and things like that? But I assume that must have come in after
2: that. Uh, On a mythic level, there's this idea that ravens are like the protectors of the souls, of the dead, that they sort of guide the souls to where they need to go. And this is a myth that is peppered throughout different earth cultures, um, uh, that birds as guiding spirits. Uh, But also ravens are known for being attracted to shiny objects and hoarding them and keeping them in their nests and things like that. So the idea that she has those qualities, Mm. she is both a shepherd of souls in a way, but she's also a collector of interesting things in this case uh she's a collector of destinies and fates that are interesting uh people who were were on a path that was important somehow uh, as she was uh these are the things that sort of grab her interest and she's always sort of reaching out to try to take hold of them protectively on some level but also just out of interest
0: Mm.
2: it's a shiny thing that has caught her eye, and she wants to explore it further. There was a joke around the office during the writing of this that she's, she's like a an avid TV watcher, um, mm. that she like is just channel surfing and to try to find the coolest show. And once she finds it, she becomes embroiled in the soap opera of it all, and becomes interested in those lives. Mm. And she wants to follow them till their till their natural end. And so she uses agents to spy on these. Interesting characters out in the multiverse to keep her uh, abreast of all the information uh, that they have they you know have to communicate with her through various means and send her thing reports and things like that and so she 's just paying attention to people whose fates are of consequence
3: yeah and' there 's sort of an idea that that you know sometimes she might sort of get bored mm-hmm. and, and, and so she 's sort of um, you know, changes the channel, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah and, right, and, and
2: suddenly you are no longer of interest to her.
3: <laughs> and then the, also the idea that she might uh, kind of collect some of these things and, and be a, a bit sort of obsessive compulsive about. And you mentioned hoarding, I think, in the last discussion. Yeah, like the idea that she, like, in her palace of of I forget what we call it exactly. Uh, of black eyes. But it's it's not Luthorina anymore. It's something else. But like that's a place where you would find. Uh, memories and dreams and people and so on that she's collected over time oh, that she was interested in, yes. but then she's just kind of lost interest and they're still there, just kind of trapped yeah. in this sort of. And some um, of them might be yours.
2: Cycle. Like she may have stolen a memory of your grandfather when you were a child, mm. and you may encounter that memory of your grandfather if you are in her domain or in her palace specifically. Uh, Do you mean in, a, in, a,
0: in an image, or would it be yeah, like that he, he, that he, he would actually be embodied in in, he, in her
2: palace? Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the all of the above. Yeah, yeah. Grandpa, what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm just a memory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a figment of your imagination. Yeah. Uh, but that's in, okay. I like that. And that you, I, there's I, there's no catalog or you know rhyme or reason to mm. all these memories or things in there. So th- yep. that'd be a, a fascinating place yeah. to explore. Yep. Yep. Yep.
2: Um, now, in in dice camera action, because I introduced Shatterkind in my campaign recently, I also introduced the Raven Queen recently. Um, Raven Queen also figured prominently in Critical Role. Yes, Matt Mercer had a character, uh, one of the party members, who was a champion of the Raven Queen, and so as that character became, as that character's story started to come into focus, the Raven Queen became more and more of a fixture in that campaign. In my campaign, uh, she's she's sort of pushing a character down a path that he is meant to go. Um, And that's really the extent of her involvement. She doesn't take credit for it, and she doesn't necessarily know how it's going to play out. She's watching TV like all the other Waffle Fan viewers out there, waiting to see (laughs) what Paulton does with the toys that he's been given. Um, But but she has certainly sort of put his destiny first and foremost in the Waffle Crew's mind, and now she's interested to see whether it's going to resolve as she thinks it might. Like any good TV viewer, she's got her thoughts about how it all might end. Yeah. She's going to let it play out the way it should. What's interesting
0: about this to me is that, you know, usually when you, when you have a neutral goddess or God, uh, it's very much, and I mentioned balance, you know, before, that's why she doesn't like undeath, but like, this seems very not like balance. Like she is like, I just want to play with things. Uh, Might be
2: unhinged actually. (laughs) (laughs) You talked (laughs) about the idea that she, she may have lost a few um, memories and thoughts of her own in her transformation and, and, the way she's portrayed in the Dice Camera Action game, she's not even human-like. I mean, she's like a walking bird's nest. She's just like this mass of twigs in a vaguely crone-like shape. Not the attractive seductress that we've seen in previous editions. Mm. And she is definitely mentally unhinged. She can't, she can't finish a sentence, pretty much. Um, and often she can't speak at all because she's forgotten the words. She uses them so infrequently. Um, and so uh, she is a bit of a basket case. Yeah. And, a, and obviously dangerous because, hey, she's a god.
3: Yeah. And I think one of the things um, that comes across too is that um, the, I, I think Mike Morales mentioned this in one of his interviews recently with uh, D&D Beyond, but, um, you know, the the way that people view the gods and, you know, what's truth and so on, it differs from world to world. so. Mm-hmm you know in in some world out there, the world of Nerath or whatever, you know what uh, Naryl 's dead, and the raven queens are are, are goddess of death and fate and winter and that's that 's the thing and you know you go over a greyhawk and Nar's Nero, not, not what do you know who 's this raven queen person yeah, right yeah. and so uh, and I think that the fifth edition sort of way that we think about the, the sort of multiverse and pantheons and so on it allows for that multiple-world interpretation. You know, Corallon here versus Corallon there, Raven Queen here versus Raven Queen there. There's going to be different interpretations.
0: Yeah. yeah. Someplace, someplace. And, and your interpretation is different than, than Matt's? Absolutely, it's different than yes. the way people are going to yeah. uh, introduce them in, into in their yeah, game? Yeah, in
2: fact, I was very conscious of the... like. I knew I was going to introduce the Raven Queen at some point, and yeah. I was very conscious of what Matt was doing and aimed to do something deliberately different just by illustration show that, yeah, we can call them the same thing, but they can have completely different purposes and different place in the, in the campaign. That's cool. All
0: right. And I hope people uh, uh, take some of what we've talked about here as well as uh, what yeah. you guys are doing on those shows
2: and what's going to come in Morning Canyon's Tomb and, and have their own interpretations. Exactly, yeah. If you don't want the Raven Queen to have anything to do with the Shatterkai, that's cool. There's plenty of else going on with her yeah. uh, that you can play with. Uh, she's just such an interesting concept. Never mind the specifics. Just the very concept of her is fascinating to a lot of people.
0: Nice. Cool. Well, I hope uh, uh, more people jump in uh, when Morning Canyons comes out on May 29th. Should be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, If people want to ask you any questions about uh, The Raven Queen or what it was like to be in the room where it happened,
2: uh, how could they get in touch with you? I am on Twitter at ChrisPerkinsDND.
0: Excellent. And you, Mr... I was going to say Cernet, but it's basically what you're about to say (laughs) anyway. At Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. Uh, Cool. We'll be back uh, with more Lore You Should Know segments uh, in future podcasts. See you guys soon. Wasn't that a good segment on the Raven Queen? Yes. You know, I I wasn't going to say this, but you do uh, bear a striking resemblance to how she is described alabaster skin and uh uh dark hair
1: raveny
0: you're raveny yeah yeah what do I you think that means do you think you are uh, uh cool. like a goddess of death yes would you ever cosplay as the raven queen
1: i have to see what she wears
0: <laughs> well you can make her choose whatever you want to wear mm, i don't know yeah that's that's, that's, that's a hard maybe yeah okay yeah all I right don't know. well li- after listening to that Laurie Shinoh segment i'm pretty sure you 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 want to jump in yeah. Because she's cool. I,
1: okay. She's a
0: watcher of television. She basically collect, she collects things and wants to... She's uh, a
1: watcher of television. Yeah, that's,
0: that's how uh, uh, Chris and Matt described her. That, like, that she uh, likes to, She gets obsessed with, with things and stories and wants to know more about that's them. Me. And uh, Yeah. That's, did you
1: say, wow, that sounds like
0: Shelly. No, but in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm going to say that to Shelly when oh, she's on the mic again. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know, right? Pretty cool.
1: That's really cool. All right. Does she have a large pimple on her chin?
0: Yes. Yeah, right. always. Oh, okay. And then when she expels it... Uh, that's when bad that's things happen. She,
1: that, that's her weapon.
0: Oh, I didn't. Okay, I, I was gonna say like that was oh. like the, the harbinger of doom, but like okay, yeah, no, that could be like her like one d six. Look
1: at
0: this thing. I can't. I didn't even see it until you've talked about it. It's
1: it's, am- it's like another chin <laughs> on my chin. <laughs>
0: Some people have third chins for different reasons. And right. now yours is, is mostly have, because you're is, a teenager. Me, you
1: know what I'll say? It makes me feel young. You're
0: very young. Yeah. You're very young.
1: Like people are look at that and they're like, oh, she can't be a day over 19. <laughs> but I am. Um, just
0: one day. Just yeah. one day over 19. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good transition to call up uh, I don't think uh, we should use Zalavir, that as a transition. So I won't. But I'll just no. say, like, now it is the time. I, we're we're, we're going to call up Zalavir Nelson Jr. right about now.
1: Hey. My
0: favorite song. Hello! Oh, oh,
1: hello! hello.
4: How's
0: it going, Zalavir?
4: It is around 12:31 here in Italy, so I'm seriously very tired. Oh, no! I'm extremely excited. But and now I'm feeling even better that I uh, w- there was a half hour after I said so we, we were going
0: to call you. tell
1: you that we're always late, did we? I kind of did. Okay, good.
4: well, I've done a few things like this myself before, and it, it, it never goes on time. Um, goes.
1: I love the ceiling where you are right now. That's
4: really, yeah, it's kind of nice. where
1: Why are you in Italy?
4: Uh, that's where my family is, so th- so that's where oh, I am you're right now. so jealous.
1: Why didn't we just go to him? To I know we should have
0: just gone to Italy so that we could record this live
1: next time.
4: I totally would have brought you. You could sit on the ceiling. I could sit down here, and we yep. could just have a chat. <laughs>
1: yep, like the little spider that I am.
4: <laughs> oh,
2: you're a
0: spider now. Now I am. All right, good. Yep. Uh anyway. So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself uh, for our listeners, so uh, people can 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 get a little bit uh, in, into the mind of. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong again.
1: Now we can't say it right because we're so paranoid about Zalabir saying it wrong. Oliver
0: <laughs> Nelson Jr.
4: That was actually perfect. Nice. I was like, Zoliver. Yeah, it was a critical hit just right
0: when you needed it. Where's the D20? Yeah. That was a six. All right. Uh, So, yeah, go ahead.
4: Uh, My name is Oliver Nelson Jr., I'm a freelance uh, game developer specializing in narrative and writing. Uh, I dabble quite a bit into uh, physical. Uh, games that's one of the things I freelance for I love them ever since I got inducted into role-playing by some Army dudes at a uh, radio station I entered at uh, interned uh, at a few years ago and uh, Yeah, I'm also a columnist for PC gamer magazine, so I'm always busy and always tired So this is nothing different for me. Perfect. This is just okay, good standard state.
0: You would just be up at this time uh, playing games anyway
4: Making
0: them <laughs> and <laughs> making them too, uh, very cool. Uh, so yeah, what's uh, so so uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons wise? When did you uh, when did yeah, you I start? Hear
1: more about this
4: intern.
0: Oh yeah, the, then we'll go back the, to the internship at the at the radio station. That's how that you sounds got pretty into exciting. It? Is that how you got into it?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's how I got into it.
0: What uh, what, what what was it, dungeon master just say? Like, hey, we need uh, someone to hey, play. Hey, intern,
4: get over <laughs> here. That's <laughs> part of
0: your duties. You must play with us.
4: Yeah, that was basically how I was presented. If I if I wanted to stay on, you know, you you better come in on a Saturday and sit in this room for seven hours, which I did happily. And uh, we were playing Gamma World.
1: Oh, I love Gamma uh, World.
4: It's such a treasure. Uh, yeah, we were playing Gamma World. They sent me like three source books via email, and I had to like study this in my in my spare time. I'm <laughs> like, oh gosh, how much of this am I going to use? So uh, I I went through this long, arduous process, finally building a character, coming to the session. Uh, And within the first hour, Hmm. see, I had built my mutants to have uh, fire glands to be able to expel fire. And we had just finished defeating this giant monster made of vines in this uh, massive dungeon also made entirely of vines above us, around us. And I had the brilliant idea of using my uh, fire powers to blow a hole through to the center of the maze and bypass all of the encounters. Long story short, that didn't go so well, and we spent the next <laughs> five hours uh, dealing with hordes of vicious dogmen as well as the smoke that arises from setting an entire dungeon a flame. made of organic life on fire. Yeah, Oof. and uh, – yeah, that was the perfect introduction to both the chaos and the cloud of storytelling of physical uh, games for me. And I've been kind of hooked into uh, dabbling into uh, tabletop stuff ever since. That's
0: interesting. Did you ever move on to uh, away from Gamma World into other systems?
4: Uh, yeah, uh, I ended up making my own. I ended up making uh, actually a couple different things. Uh, one as a setting agnostic thing to use for friends that I put out for free. Uh, and another one has like an empathetic tabletop experience about living with intrusive thoughts. Uh, oh, that sounds interesting.
0: A What's that all about? Living with intrusive, uh, like, like a, like a multiple personality type intrusive thoughts.
4: It's, it's just like the, the scary idea of sometimes like when you just have a thought, like someone cuts in front of you in traffic and you're just like, God, I hate that guy. I hope he crashes. And you are like, Oh gosh, that's a terrible thing to think. <laughs> it's uh sort of a very genre E way of approaching saying, okay, if you have these thoughts or you have them on a more uh, serious basis, what is that like to live with that? Uh, I tried to do that in a tabletop form. I don't know if it worked, but <laughs> I did it. And uh, I've also really enjoyed D and D is something I, I haven't had too many chances to play properly, but it's something I've studied a whole lot. Mm. Uh, it's, Something with a ton of history, uh, which is super interesting to dig into and the character sheets, I'm a character sheet nerd. So the character sheets and how much, uh, y'all manage to fit onto a character sheet, uh, the way you present information, it's a marvel. And it's something I studied a lot when I was getting initially into tabletop design and it served me really well since, uh, Planescape Torment is also the biggest influence on my storytelling, uh, that I've basically ever had. Mm-hmm. And so... There's D&D and Gamma World and just basically wizard stuff all throughout my creative history that uh, influences me a ton to this day.
0: That's cool. Um, what about the, uh, the character sheet that, that uh, uh, you know, why, why is that exciting to you? Is it just because it's like a, this, this artifact that is your representation of your, your, your character or is it the typography and, and how it's, all the information is presented? What, what, what about it uh, kind of excites you?
4: Uh, well, the way you say it excites me. I, I don't want it to sound like I'm a character sh- a sheet uh, fetishist. Uh, <laughs> Just but, a
1: nerd. You did he say a, a nerd about it. Sheet that's nerd. that's yeah. <laughs>
0: because I am too. I mean, I like when they when I see ones that have a design that that uh, is different from one I've ever seen before, but is immediately evocative about that particular campaign. Like I see that all the time. I'm like, oh gosh, I wish I had the, the chops to design something like that. Uh, Sometimes so. Is is that what it, what it is? Yeah. What, what t- talk a little bit more about that?
4: A more design focused aspect. Uh, something that I found in my particularly my game development work is how important details are because nobody notices them, but uh, just those small details really play a large part in getting someone into the spirit of a game, uh, helping them obey rules, helping them find ways to break rules in mm. unexpected ways. So for character sheets, what makes them so exciting to me is is sort of reverse engineering saying okay here's all this information why is this information important why is uh the race here Uh, where is it placed and what role does that play does that play in how someone creates their character and then plays it how can they refer to uh their stats how is that presented so it's super easy to just go back and uh reference it basically anything that goes into the detail oriented design of a character sheet i'm super into studying and uh, observing because That's it's it's small artifacts like that that people don't tend to look at, but really show some of the most thought uh, particularly when it looks simple, because when it looks simple, it probably means that there's been hundreds of hours of toil that's gone into it. And you can definitely see that in the uh, fifth edition character sheet, which, again, was something I studied a lot when I first got into tabletop design and I still absolutely love the look and the design of that thing.
1: So before you got into the uh, play D and D or Gamma World with um, as an intern, like how long ago was that? Because it doesn't sound like you've been playing D and D or tabletop games. Because you're more of a a digital gamer. Is that true?
4: Uh, I started with digital games when I was younger, yeah. Uh, but yeah, tabletop was a much is a very recent development for me, and as soon as I got into it, though, I was like, "Oh, so this is what they've been talking about all this time."
1: <laughs> yeah, because like it sounds like, because I was looking at your credits and I was looking at your blog, and like you've done a lot with tabletop, which I'm so I'm surprised, I guess, that like you've done so much so quickly. How do you do this?
4: <laughs> Are you cloned? Uh, uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh obsession a few blood packs okay. uh yeah. i might have had a few chats with the raven queen uh, but mainly it's it's realizing how little time i have uh i'm i'm a younger dude and Life is going to advance really quickly, and there's going to be a time in my life where I'm going to be cutting grapes into eighths, and that's going to be my sole joyful <laughs> focus. <laughs> it will
1: happen. If you take that infant CPR class, it will happen to you, too. I promise.
4: So I wanted wait, to wait, Way to call back to the intro, though.
0: That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, so you yeah, s- yeah, strike probably. while the iron is hot. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Like, you know, while you have time, make it happen. I like that. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, and going back to what you were saying about the character sheet, like, it's one of those things when people talk about the, uh, like, film scores or or something like that, they're like, you don't notice the details of, you know, okay, that's a violin playing or blah, 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 and, but you know it because it evokes a certain amount of, uh, 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 emotion in you when you're, when you're watching a film or something like that, and I feel like character sheets are one of those things, uh, for tabletop role-playing games where you don't necessarily realize that, like, oh, having the initiative on top or having, these skills in a a, a place that they're easily associated next to the stats. Like You don't really realize those details when you're playing, but like if it's off or it feels wrong, you will notice it then.
4: Yeah, when I was designing my system uh, ellipses and looking at uh, how can I make something that's more accessible that me and my friends can get uh, playing really quickly and not have to deal with a bunch of rules, uh, all of the numbers, how you fill in your character sheet and identify what skills you have, Uh, they're all ellipses these little ovals and you fill them in with the crayon and I Did that cuz coloring is fun. Yeah, it's Just little weird things like that. It's like, okay, you want to evoke a final feeling for someone what are the steps to uh, do that and sometimes the uh, Change can be very simple. Sometimes it's very difficult. But either way, that's where uh, a lot of the magic of creation really is Is in the details?
1: Yeah, I'm curious about this. Um, the ellipses—is that the the RPG that you developed to get people into role playing games really quickly? Or yeah. So t- can you tell us more about that?
0: Yeah, I thought it was dot dot dot.
1: <laughs> oh, you're thinking of something else.
0: <laughs> I was thinking of a
4: different ellipse. <laughs> yeah, it's. I made a game called "Screw You, Bear Dad." Uh, once upon. Best <laughs> title ever. Yeah, I love that way. title.
1: It's been running through uh, my head all day.
4: And I've since learned that I really should continue to make games with weird titles like that because as soon as you say, oh, it's my ellipses role-playing thing, you type in ellipses into Google and you just see a bunch of dots. There's (laughs) dots everywhere. (laughs) Uh, I designed ellipses after playing Gamma World and being terrified when they sent me all the source books I had to study. I really enjoyed studying those source books. I was like, okay, there has to be something uh, some sort of way I can do this more quickly, especially if I want to run a lot of one-offs with friends with how much time I'm spending obsessively yeah. developing things. So um, I shrugged it back to uh, health, uh, your level, your skills, some backstory. I, I, I basically uh, put identified the elements that I really wanted to advance with the system. I put that in there and the big advancement I think it does is this thing called the log because I said Planescape Torment was a huge influence for me mm. and what I really took away from it was oh gosh uh, When I do something I don't just get word XP points for it But if physical effects can happen on my character that I can carry through that adventure So I made this log where based on certain things that you do or certain things that happen in your world uh, You can add the events and your DM can say okay in the future, you know, uh since you gazed into the abyss and it gazed back and you ended up having a loving relationship and three kids uh, Sometimes you can summon those kids into this plane of existence. That's the effect boom Yeah um, I haven't had that personal experience, but now I really want to make that <laughs> now I want to get, How do I summon kids?
1: How do you summon them out?
4: Yeah, that's that's
1: plane?
0: <laughs> With grapes like go ahead get out of here
1: eat a full grape.
0: have a full grape it's your course.
1: life <laughs> It's in your hands now
0: that's interesting so that it becomes less about uh the you know the memories or the stories that you tell of what happened at the table but like those things actually have an effect on the game and the mechanics of of what's happening like that's that's really interesting.
4: Yeah, uh you combine that with uh filling in the the dots that do exist in the system and uh I've run a quite a few uh, campaigns with that thing. And I think the most memorable one I did in the, in the time where I really figured out that it worked, aside from some of the messages that people sent me, uh, with like the character seats and stuff saying, I played role playing for the first time and it worked. I was like, I get really ha- happy about that. But I think when I really figured out that this system had something special is when I ran a session for my parents. Oh, um,
1: good litmus test.
4: Me and my uh, my family, we were on a vacation. Uh, we had those moments of vacation that you never expect, I mean, those moments of downtime in a vacation that you never expect but always happen where there's nothing going on and there's really nothing to do. Uh, you never really imagine that when you book the vacation but it happens. And I was like, hey, I made this thing and I brought some dice. Uh, so I... I set up a few one shots from, and long story short, within three hours, my parents had murdered each other and my (laughs) sister several times over. Uh, It's
0: not how I thought that statement was going to go.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And I learned a lot about my family and uh, about (laughs) DMing for a couple of really rogue presences uh, that day, as well as just, hey, this this works well enough for my parents to really bond over... (laughs) Mutual uh, destruction of destruction. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of it. Are that. they
1: gamers? Do they play any games or is this their first time playing a role playing game?
4: First time playing a physical role playing game ever. Yes. I, I, I uh, Set up a they set up their characters within 10 minutes and they were Off to the races whether or not that's a good thing based off of What happened later enabled? Yeah, I can't say but well yeah. they
1: picked it up quickly. It is true though. Like you learn a lot about people, like your parents, if you play role playing games with them. Like yeah. I, thre- I learned that my mom is super violent.
3: Hmm.
0: Mm.
1: She just wanted to go around killing things.
0: Right, and I guess that was true of 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 Zalivier's yeah. uh, uh, parents too. Like they're yeah. like, sure, why not?
1: My dad wants to talk. Let's talk about it first. <laughs> That's what my
0: mom. Just All right. Took him out. So she's like Joe Manganiello. Got it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Kill first. Kill
0: first. Uh, uh, ask good to know. Later. Uh, I try to do this something very similar. so I'm glad that you, it worked out better for you. I, we, were, we had downtime on vacation. I brought some dice just to be oh. on on the safe side, like, oh yeah, if we want to get into it, uh, well, my kids are four and six. So I was trying to like, oh, let's, I don't want to make a big thing of it, but like, let's just go ahead and, oh, you guys want to play right now? All right, cool, let's play. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but for some reason, it didn't, it didn't latch a hold of their young minds so quickly. And I think I need more, more toys. Did or, they have or,
3: characters?
1: They didn't have characters.
0: No, because I didn't want to bog them down with math. Uh, yeah. So I just was. They, I have uh, sheets of notes that they have in front of them that they. I'm like, oh, write down, you know, what's what's in your inventory and stuff like that. Like whenever they got something new and they were like, kind of. The first session we played where they were playing with uh, binoculars and stuff. So I was like, like actual physical binoculars at the table. So I'm like, you have those in the game. You have them. They're magical and they can, you know, you can have advantage on perception checks or something like that. So I, I had like little stuff like that yeah. and uh, yeah, tried to describe what was going on and then it, it was about a half hour and and my youngest was like. I don't want to play anymore. I'm like, okay.
1: Did Edna want to play though?
0: No, they were all kind of done at that point. They were also kind of sick too. They had like flu symptoms, so oh. maybe I was pushing it uh, <laughs> a little too hard when they were a little bit crazy. Um, but that vacation downtime was what I was hoping for. Was that like, all right, everybody's going to want to be interested and go doing something? But I wish I had a system uh, like Ellipses where uh, you know I could. Uh, it was about coloring because I feel like that w- that would have like they needed a more yeah. physical activity at the table to draw them in. Not just theater of the maybe mind style. Maybe they do need
1: character sheets,
0: right? Yeah, maybe they do.
1: So, can you use ellipses on? Is it like skinnable for other for all role playing games? Like, there's a modified version of it? Or
4: absolutely, I designed it so you could uh, basically port it into anything. Because wow. as I said, I like to do a lot of one shots, especially weird ones. So, I ran a, a session where people told ghost stories to each other and then had to fight the. Uh, the manifestations of their ghost stories in the ooh, middle of a ooh. really crowded restaurant.
1: Wait, uh, this, it took place in a really crowded restaurant, or you did this in a really crowded restaurant?
4: Did this in a really crowded restaurant, like very it. loud. Somehow it worked, and they won by. It was I think they they utilized the greed of the ghost guy's dad. In the therapy session, they were like, Okay, this therapy session is gonna cost you quite a bit, and the ghost guy's dad was like, Whoa, I can't pay for this, and that uh that ended up resolving the family dispute quite easily.
3: Huh.
1: As it would. As it would. And then I, I read something else um about you. So, you know, like <laughs> I I'm like a hard hitting journalist. I do a lot of research on people. Uh but this po- post apocalyptic bank tellers. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Uh, I, I mean, then, I like the sound of this. This is a story and, and the people left behind after the death of their god. What? What is this? And where can I find oh, it?
4: Oh, gosh. There was. A, so, the first game I ever made, I actually was going to get out of the game industry, uh, e- including tabletop, uh, a few years ago, because I was like, man, I've been doing this for a really long time. I started when I was really young. Uh,
1: As opposed and, to now, when you're really young. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, basically.
1: Really young versus really young.
0: Right. It's, yeah. it's a
4: difference. Right. Yeah. Really, really young. Maybe we can add a couple more words there and <laughs> really nail it down. Yeah. But uh, I'd seen so many people sort of fall by the wayside and I'd seen some examples of this whole gaming thing not working out. That I was like, okay, I'm going to do the normal college thing. But first I should probably make a game. And uh, I got hooked. The first game I ever wow. made was very uh, very influenced by Planescape Torment's philosophy of like foregone conclusions. Like you, your adventure is what matters, the journey to the end, because the end is basically kind of set up from the beginning. And uh, that game was called All Hail the Spider God. So I was thinking about uh, ways to expand ellipses because what I, what I did was I released the system for free, but I did a bunch of... If people didn't have like some awesome setting like D and D to bring the uh, the system to, I wanted to provide a bunch of little like session starters, like hey, here are your uh, post apocalyptic bank tell- bank tellers this thing called Tel Virgo, or your uh, con men uh, archaeologists showing off like r- artifacts in the uh, post-apocalyptic future, like trailers and. Uh, like like trailer parks and like malls and like just junk and detritus uh, of the uh, present to people in the future uh, as basically con men. Uh, I wanted to provide sort of those sort of little scenario starters. And when I was thinking of ways to expand it, because I kind of did it in a rolling model, like every month I'd add some stuff for a while, I thought, okay, can I have another adventure where uh this, following on from the events of all hail spider god someone could play a, a role-playing session and i found uh i found a way and that's in the session in this scenario now it's uh the last worshipers of the spider god after the spider <laughs> god dies they step out into the wider world and it's like the world moved on without them they're Their credit cards don't work anymore. Uh, Bureaucracy has sort of taken hold and they essentially don't have identity. So they kind of have to figure out who they're going to become and what they're going to do. It's a very unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt scenario now that I think about it. But it's (laughs) weird.
1: That's really cool.
4: Yeah. I like all that. Mm -hmm. I mean – that's, you know, the,
0: the, the, the way to get the, the, the setting across and then here's, here's adventures and stories and things that you can uh, uh, play around with, I think is a, is a really good model. I mean, it's almost like 5th edition does that exact same thing uh, with like, oh, yeah, here's a system. You can play it for, for, you know, for download our basic rules for free on a website, but it's the, the adventures and the, uh, and the content that would be the, the, the thing that you end up coming back for again and again. So it seems like a similar system uh, uh, to, to what you devised there.
4: Uh I plead the fifth.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, that makes perfect sense. Um yeah. It does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does make sense. It
1: does make sense. I
0: know. Shelley's good because she uh, uh she actually writes up questions. <laughs> I cut and pasted. Cut and pasted questions.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, which is good stuff. Uh, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about, because I was a game journalist uh, before I started doing this stuff, so uh, oh, awesome. uh, I, I, I know a little bit about the, the PC Gamer uh, crew. But yeah, talk a little bit about what, what your column is over there.
4: Uh, so when I first started making games and I started to, to really dig into the people I've uh, gotten to know more as in the Enthusiast Press, I we can't, uh, began to be amazed by how many, as I said, uh, focusing on the detail, how many little things are super hard to to get across in the game. I was amazed that oh, 60 FPS games that people demand that means that an entire within one second uh, in those 16 frames you have like point however many seconds to uh, I think it's point 16 seconds to compute all of the data and all of the changing factors in the game before the next frame uh, uploads, uh, for a 60 FPS game to work. And that blew my mind. Cause I was just like, Oh, 60 FPS, that's good. And I thought nothing more of what really went into it. So I pitched, uh, so one of the, uh, lead editors at PC gamer had put out a call for really unique pitches. And I pitched a column or a series called "Making Games is Effing Hard," about the little things that people don't notice but are really hard and really complex, and show the beauty of digital game development. And uh, I've been doing that for months now, and Mm -hmm. apparently it's it's having an effect. There's folks who are uh, really, it's really opening their eyes as to what goes into making a game. Because I know I was surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised every month, every time I research something, I put out a call for something. I'm like, oh, gosh, there's so much more here to learn. So uh, if I can pass on a little bit of that to the readers of PC Gamer, I'm very happy. And so far, uh, they seem to be enjoying it. So I'm stoked. That's cool. Yeah, I love that that
1: idea.
0: It is one of those things, I think it came into uh, uh, focus when uh, Hello Games did, um, I'm blanking on the name of the uh, uh,
4: no man's sky. No
0: man's sky. Yes, exactly. Uh, where there were so many comments from from gamers who was like, "Oh, you just put multiplayer in. It'll take a week to develop that. That's no problem. It's so easy. Why don't you do that?" And so many game journalists were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like maybe we don't get this across on a daily basis, but that's it will it would take more than a week. To code the back end to create a multiplayer segment uh, from a single player game. And right, so I think there was this, there's a lot of misconceptions in the audience uh, that, you know, because it's so easy to just download a game and start playing it, that, that yeah, many people just don't realize there's so much technical know how mm-hmm. uh, and skill that's necessary in order to, to do what you're saying of like rendering you know, 60 frames per second, like, that's insane, you know, like and then and it changes based on your inputs and, or, the, you know, if it is a multiplayer game, the inputs on millions of people who are playing that game at the exact same time. It's kind of mind-boggling to realize because it works so well, but when it doesn't work well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, the, uh, the details, like, if one thing doesn't work well, people will be like, whoa, 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 it's... And they have millions of you know things to play but it's it, it kudos to you for coming up with an idea of being like, hey, here's teachable moments of like this is what it is actually doing on, on you know, making this menu screen or something like that, right? Like
4: that's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I read, every month I end up with like over five thousand words of material, oh and God. I got to cut that down to like nine hundred and fifty. Oh, man, I'm so wow. sorry.
1: You should write a <laughs> no, book with that extra. The excess material.
4: That's a good idea.
0: You should do that.
1: Yeah. Start. That's just one more thing for you to. Just one more
0: out. thing. <laughs> you yeah. get another time. You get another project. Uh, College can wait. Yeah. Put it up on, uh, put on, uh, you know, Amazon or something like that for, uh, for a, a book. For I, I would buy it. I would too. Two sales right
1: there.
4: I'm already working on a book, so I guess it couldn't hurt to add another one. It's Why not? Just words.
0: <laughs> no, but sorry, we cut you off. You were saying every day you're trying to get down from 5,000 words to, to, to 950, and it's hard to do, right? Even that.
4: Oh, it's, it's not so much hard, uh, even though it is, but it's 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 remarkable how much does not make in and, and how much I end up learning on, on my end about this stuff. I feel like I'm like... Again, like the Raven Queen, I'm viewing all of these secrets and all this material and I just have to like distill, mm-hmm. uh, distill it down to this little bit that I get to show to people. And Even that bit, uh, making that bit as good as possible and really showing, uh, really show, giving the developers their due uh, is something that really motivates me and so the fact that people dig it as well yeah. is something that uh, inspires me even more.
1: So I used to write a column about The Bachelor. <laughs> and um, I, I would end up with, like, five, 6,000 words after a two-hour episode, and I had to cut it down to 500. So I totally feel your pain. Oh, my gosh. It was the hardest yeah. thing it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I mean, all that, that, that was just fun. gold. That was, like, 4,500 words of just gold that just nobody ever saw. I bet that so was more entertaining I mean. right
0: <laughs> than the like, show itself.
1: Yes. Um, but, anyway, more about your column. So, Topic-wise, do you choose a developer that you want to talk to or is there just certain aspects of a game that you think, hey, it might be cool to learn how this gets made or do you target certain games? How do you come up with what you want to – because like, there's a lot that you can mine for in a, how to make a digital game.
4: Hopefully. Hopefully, I'll come back like three years later and I'll still be Yeah. <laughs> well, the this. more
1: complex games get, the more you'll have to talk about. So this is yeah, it's constantly evolving.
4: Uh, I usually start with some sort of topic, like, "Huh, I wonder how in-game cameras work." Yeah And I thought that would just be one easy piece, like, okay, here's how in-game cameras work." And I ended up with two and did a third one on the way. Oh my gosh uh, <laughs> Wow. Now
0: I want to know how do in-game cameras work?
4: So many different read ways. I need the
0: calm <laughs> to find out.
4: As a result of things I've learned. I will never make an isometric game. Just never. Not gonna do it.
1: Yeah, so I was gonna ask, does this affect you and your future game design? Like are you is are you going too far behind the curtain that it's now it's like, ugh, I there's I don't wanna know how I don't want I don't wanna do this? Or does it inspire you to want to keep creating
4: the more The more I make things and the more I talk to people about how they make things, uh, the more I realize how much unplumbed territory there is. Yeah.
1: That's cool. Uh,
4: Despite all of the amazing things uh, I discovered looking into things like, okay, how do cameras work or uh, how do, what, what was one of the first big ones? Um how how do text how are talk text boxes made? Uh seeing the variety of approaches that come to that, on one hand, it's like a little bit disheartening because it's like everybody's reinventing the wheel. Mm. And uh the amount of work that goes into that to providing a slightly even a slightly different experience, uh, the exponential amount of work uh that goes into that is often uh, missed or ignored. Uh despite all of that seeing the the immense of the immense possibility space and the people uh, plumbing it and doing it myself as a game developer across a bunch of different projects since I'm freelance uh, physical and digital it it really is great creative fuel because it's like man if these folks can calculate how to make a spherical planet uh, appear in a hex based grid which is a story I was recently told there's this game called This 4X game called Predestination that it is mathematically impossible to put a spherical object inside of a hex grid, but they found a way to pull it off. And (laughs) Hmm. finding things like that just energizes me to come up with more clever ways to not just make things, but to cheat. Because the cheating is, again, uh, I talk about details, but really the cheating, uh, the the bending the rules and the reality and the things behind the scenes to make something appear a certain way, to make people feel a certain way, that end goal is what's so cool. So learning about how that end goal is reached through all of these different ways just gets me excited to find more ways to do it myself and uh, makes me want to, again, appreciate and spread the message of, holy crap, all of the amazing space there's still left to explore and not just... Uh, digital games but physical games as well
0: yeah um yeah i'm curious as to why you say you don't want to make an isometric game since planescape torment was an isometric <laughs> game what, what 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 why were you i mean a you could talk about more about what makes uh torment really cool because you know i jumped into it with the uh with the beam dog uh, enhanced edition uh uh recently and i and i dig it on a, on a kind of a visceral writerly level uh as well but then yeah why why What's what's specifically challenging about isometric games that you wouldn't want to jump into? Uh,
4: As far as isometric cameras very briefly uh, aside from what I talked about in the column uh, Isometric cameras basically they have all of the uh, All of the perspective issues of 3d and even more depending on whether or not you can move that camera so if you move behind a building or uh, you can't quite see where an enemy is, but they can see you. There's all of these uh, little problems that have to be worked out. So you have the uh, seeming simplicity of 2D combined with all of the complexity of 3D interfaces. That means that you have to find a lot of uh, really weird ways to build things to make them appear simple. And that's the case for any types of game, but isometric more than anything, it's like, oh, it's just a 2D thing you're walking along the ground. No, there's so much more that goes into it that like when I consider all of the design problems that come from an isometric game, I'm like, yeah, personally, Hmm. I'm not gonna go there. But I enjoy telling the stories of uh, folks who do, like uh, the developers who made Brigador were very open with their time telling me like, okay, yeah, uh, these are the problems we encountered making an isometric game in the modern era but here's how we also solved it, them to provide a particular unique game experience, right. to hit that awesome end goal. Uh, as for Planescape Torment, yeah, aside from the idea that the things, that the actions that you do, you can carry them with you throughout the adventure. Um, the idea of foregone conclusions, the idea of different planes of reality with uh, gods and monsters and... Uh, quote-unquote normal beings all being a little bit special and the power of belief. I think there's so many thematic elements about Planescape that are resonant to this day that uh, I really value that when I played it, I was in a place to appreciate it. Um, We had just moved to Italy. I had a borrowed copy of Planescape Torment on my computer and... There was no internet or and the internet once we did get it was very very slow so i would just boot up uh, i was like okay this seems like a good time to finally watch this mad men thing that people are talking about <laughs> and it would take hours for a single uh, episode of mad men to load and as i got further into planescape torment not being able to access my steam library or anything I actually noticed myself pausing or even, even straight up uh, destroying hours of buffering by closing the window and just going back to Torment because I was so engrossed in that world. Oh, And, and that's when I realized that, yeah, uh, Torment was something very special that I'd probably carry with me uh, for the rest of my life. And thus far, it seems to uh, have had that effect.
0: I like that. I think uh, I'll, I'll tell uh, uh, the Beamdog folks or, or Chris Avalon when I see him next that what they created uh, was better than Mad Men.
4: <laughs> if I could put that on the there's box a of Planescape Torment I yes. would yeah right it's there you uh, go <laughs> better than Madman
0: PC Gamer says
1: uh, <laughs> 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 oh my god that's awesome
0: good stuff uh, alright man well I feel like uh, we, we could we could talk a lot more uh, there's uh, I, you're very uh, able to talk about all these <laughs> fun things that are also things that I like talking you about too yeah
1: very able to talk I
0: am not that, able to talk, uh, uh, but uh, you know, so yeah, we got to have you back on and, and, and pick your brain even more about uh, uh, things that are going on. But uh, uh, how can people find out about uh, ellipses and the other work you're doing uh, at PC gamer?
4: Uh, PC gamer magazine comes out every month on newsstands. So you can, <laughs> do <laughs> people buy so. it
0: still? Like I was, I feel like it's so much more of an online thing at this point, but
4: yeah, yeah. Then the, the, the magazine is still quite the I thing. I uh, I was surprised. I know.
0: I mean, I still see it in when I'm traveling and stuff. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, there's a physical magazine." There's something about a physical
1: magazine though that's like I just
0: want. Yeah? I don't know. Well, you're uh... Books
1: I'm I'm totally fine buying. Which is so weird because
0: you're I such a young want... person that it seems like you wouldn't want it, that anymore. You would. <laughs> <laughs> I,
4: I mean, personally, I will take a physical book over a uh digital book any day. So I totally get that impulse. Yeah. yeah. Uh Aside from my PC Gamer work, though, which goes up on the – I do assorted other things for the website as well. Uh, Aside from print and uh, web stuff, which is on PCGamer.com or on newsstands, um, you can find my tabletop experiments at ZolivierMakesWords.itch.io, and the easiest way to follow my work and see – uh, what I'm doing, as well as the horrible, horrible puns I come up with on a daily basis. Oh, I
1: love puns.
4: Is uh, Twitter.com slash Rit Nelson. W-R-I-T Nelson.
0: Cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for calling in this late uh, from, from Italia. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you some some more soon.
4: Yeah, I'd absolutely love that. Uh, may I close out with a pun? Sure. Yes! Okay, so if you get John Ham, the Mad Men actor, from uh, a, just a really really nice car, do you think he would let you call it a hamster wheel? Yes. <laughs> yes. Why wouldn't he? I would hope so. <laughs> uh,
1: if he doesn't so already, he's, no problem. He will. Going
0: now forward. I'm gonna fly to LA and, and ask and ask John Ham that <laughs> tell him that pun for him. I'm That's... sure he's never heard it before.
4: Take
0: care, everyone. You're the best. bye
1: thank you. See you later, Zalabier. Bye, bye. He's adorable.
0: He is. uh, 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 Yes, very uh, interested in some things I'm very much interested in too. So it's it's uh, yeah, good conversation.
1: Might have to go to Italy next time.
0: I mean, that's I was finished
1: that conversation. We didn't get invited over some uh, pizza and wine, but
0: maybe next time. Yeah, we
1: invited us in the beginning. Oh, that's right. You were kind of. Well, it wasn't so much an invitation as like, oh yeah, if you were here, I guess I'd let you come in. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.
0: Which sounds like a hearty uh, welcome. All well, I <laughs> need. I, yeah, you're like, doors open. <laughs> we're like vampires. Yep. All I got to do is at least kind Up. of slyly, yep. maybe be passively aggressive. <laughs> Hello, uh, <Nelson> family. <laughs> we are here. now here for you. <laughs> we shall be playing the D and the D together. I hear you're evil people. I hear so, you murdered
1: each other. <laughs> we're going to have an evil vacation.
0: evil campaign in Italy. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Very cool stuff. What's uh, mm-hmm. what's going on with you? Do you want to sign off with anything super fun uh, or just tell me your Twitter handle.
1: My Twitter handle is Shelly
0: Moo. What about Avalon Hill Games Two?
1: Avalon Hill Two, number two.
0: Oh, there's not a Games Two; it's just Avalon Hill Two. It's Avalon Hill Two. It's the second Avalon Hill. The first Avalon Hill was cool.
1: Was pre me, and now it's me.
0: <laughs> and now it's just you.
1: Me, I'm number two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who does number two work for? No one. Uh, no one. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, you can find out about uh, the this here D&D game at Dungeons and dot com. Uh, check it out on DragonMag dot com. Or you can download Dragon Plus onto your Android or Apple or any other kind of device you want um, when you can. And uh, find out all about what's going on in Dungeons and Dragons world. D&D uh, is
1: always with you with the Dragon Plus app.
0: That's true. Because yeah. doesn't
1: it, um, it does. aggregate all the Content? Yeah, all something of yeah. So like, really if you, like, if
0: you follow us on Twitter or or are uh, a friend of place. our like us on the Facebooks, uh, you can follow that all on the the Dragon Plus app. You're right, all yeah. of those posts uh, and things we do talking about all in one place. This year's show here, even you can all do it through mm-hmm. uh, through that app. So that's a good point. Yes. Awesome. Uh, I'm uh, at Greg Tito. You can follow me there on the Twitters yep. uh, or on Instagram at Greg underscore Tito. underscore Um, and uh, yeah and then of course follow uh, Dungeons and Dragons as I said at uh, Wizards underscore DND or like us on the Facebooks or we're also on the Instagram uh, I think on Wizards underscore DND on Instagram so lots of fun stuff happening all around the social love it Twitterverse make it happen Uh, I think it's time for us uh, to get out of here so we're gonna uh, oh no the rocks are falling